We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? So, you know, at the time of the podcast recording, which was about 7.30 Eastern to about 8.30 Eastern, uh, the league had not given out any suspension or fines for the incident uh, that happened uh, last night against the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. So we were just kind of operating under no really assumption. We didn't really touch on the topic because we didn't know. So, you know, this is just a, a little uh, a little bonus uh, of just me kind of talking about it. So um, so Denver Nuggets star Nikola Jokic has been suspended one game for shoving Markeith Morris uh, from behind on Monday night, tweets out Shams Charania. Jimmy Butler gets a $30,000 fine for attempting to escalate the altercation and failing to comply with the NBA security interview. Leak says so. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy's just straight up to talk to the cops. Uh, shout out to Jimmy. And uh, and Markeith Morris has been found fined fifty thousand dollars for committing a flagrant two foul that uh, that uh, in, that initiated the on court altercation. NBA says so. One game suspension for Jokic. I, I think the people on Twitter are crying for more. I, I get it. I just didn't think there was a possibility that that would happen. So Morris is not going to get a suspension. He is out for next game. So Jokic did take my man out. Uh, and they are likely to amount to miss the same amount of time. Doesn't seem fair. I feel like a multiple game suspension is probably fair, but I mean, I'm I'm not here to tattle on the teacher and and hope something happens. I mean, obviously, I think that the league kind of messed that up a little bit. Uh, I'm sure that the Heat won't be happy about that, and I'm sure that they'll hear about it in a call from the league office. Uh, but I mean, we get into it in the pod about we, we get into all sorts of things about the altercation, specifically how I'm not really here to legislate the the, the altercation, more how fans have reacted to it. Uh, have more than anything was was kind of my thing. I mean, obviously, what I think Jokic did was dirty, and uh, I, I and we kind of get into more in detail like how the the whole ebbs and flows of why Markeith took that foul in that way, and there was a build up to that play that I think that the media didn't really cover. But one game for Jokic, and I think that the, the 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 fine for Jimmy, I think that's a little unfair given, you know, at thirty thousand dollars, a lot of money, man. Let me tell you something, uh, you know. For for attempting to escalate the altercation, giving him thirty thousand dollars when the Nuggets players on the bench were dapping uh, Jokic up for what he did, and and you know I, I don't I don't really know. I feel like the NBA just felt like they had to do something there. Seems a little fucked up to me. I don't know, uh, and I'm just that's that just seems out of line. I mean the the Morris uh, fifty thousand. I imagine that's just standard for a flagrant two foul which it shouldn't have been a flagrant two foul which means that the league reviewed it and are keeping it a flagrant two foul which is another thing that i just don't agree with at all that, that was not and yeah at best at worst a flagrant one foul i don't i don't really agree with the flagrant two nature if Jokic doesn't react that way i just think it's a hard foul and again at best it's a flagrant at worst it's a flagrant one so uh, really weird situation for the league. I don't. I think that for for the, they once again fumbled the fucking ball. The refs were horrible uh, last night in terms of kind of the, the way that they allowed contact and, and why that game got out of hand. And again, we get into all that in the pod. I want to thank you guys uh, for always listening. But yeah, I just wanted to give you a little bonus, little bonus take and a little update because when we recorded this episode, um, you know, this had not come out yet, right? And maybe you should have waited. But, you know, not all of us want to pod at 10 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? We, we have things to do. We have families to see. Uh, so I did want to get on and kind of give you a little, a, little, a little bonus in the beginning to kind of cover uh, the news of the day. So please, 
Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Carlin. I was, and with me today, producer and co-founder, Brian Goins. What's up, Brian? What's, what's up, guys? How's Brian, it going? You, uh, you went in on the on the Heapy account yesterday. People thought that was me. <laughs> what do you mean? That was you. That was what are you talking me? about? <laughs> it really wasn't. I was feeling really not good yesterday. You really held it down for the culture. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Chat loves you. Chat was angry. Chat's angry. Everybody's angry. On the bottom, it's Kenny Spence. What's up, Kenny? What's going on, man? It's good to hear my name after the actual um, entrance music. I've been listening for so many years. Glad to be here. That's what's up. And yeah, because Kenny, this you, is your first MHB party. Yeah, and, and first, yeah, it. my first time on the main show. Yeah, we've done so. We've done hots with Kenny. We've done waps with Kenny, and this is Kenny's first MHB. So welcome. You picked a good day because we're gonna slander the fuck out of some Jokic brothers. Perfect day. Just read your Twitter, Twitter timeline from today. You'll be fine. <laughs> I don't I mean, even know. I, I gotta expound on some of that stuff because a lot of people just can't read. Apparently, no. So they they can't. Twitter's horrible. Kenny. <laughs> so my big thing from yesterday is, you know, Jokic and Morris are are grown fucking men, right? So whatever they do to each other on the court, that's between them and that's between the players, right? That's for them. I'm not out here to legislate. You know. You know, whether Morris's cheap shot deserve, I mean, nobody fucking deserves to get hit in the spine on the back. That's one thing. And, and whether you believe the severity of the Morris foul or, or the, I don't give a fuck about that. Right. For me, Kenny, it's the weirdos on fucking Twitter that are calling Jimmy Butler, of all people, a fake tough guy. You know what I mean? Calling UD a fake tough guy. That's right, it sees it sees people with dog avies, with Homer Simpson avies, with with fuck like you know, like these weird camera angles where you can't even see their face. So all these, so all, and, and I'll, Kenny, right, hold on, hold on, dudes. hold on. If we're gonna if we're gonna make fun of people with camera <laughs> angles, we can't. Me, come my on. Good, I like my picture. My no, I meant you. I meant currently you right now. Your camera angle's still terrible. My camera angle's good on on stream, but regardless. <laughs> Kenny, Just it's a lot me. of it's a lot of people legislating Jimmy Butler's toughness, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? So, the thing that was interesting to me because I saw that at first, and I was like, okay, people may not know what they're talking about. Then I saw people saying UD's fake tough and all this stuff, and so I'll give some, some perspective on that. I'm from the same neighborhood as you guys have some different eras, obviously, but to kind of really put it into perspective. UD grew up playing at Charles Hadley Park. That's on 50th Street and 13th Ave. I'm from 56th Street and 7th Ave. And so I have these people from Philadelphia and Canada and all these people saying, nah, UD's fake tough, whatever, whatever. But the thing you got to understand about that neighborhood specifically and other inner city Miami neighborhoods, there's no room to be a fake tough guy because somebody's going to test you on it. And if you fail that test, you're just not going to try it again. And so for you to be 40 years old and not only still be outwardly aggressive towards people, but to still also, you have these stories floating around about you, Donis, hasn't getting guys out of jams and getting guys out of whatever the case may be. You can't buy your way into that here because everybody here went to high school with NFL player. Nobody cares about the money. Nobody cares about the fame. It's, if you have that kind of respect, you earned it. And so at a certain point, I'm seeing these people from these weird places saying, UD's a fake tough guy, whatever the case is. And I just had to ask, where are y'all really from? Where are you from? It, it's dudes, it's dudes, Kenny, like saying the Serbian hoods are different than like American and Miami. And I'm like, have you, dog, you been to Serbia? So you doing you you know you doing missions know in about Serbia? Serbia. <laughs> no, none of us knows anything about Serbia. 
So especially not these work. white dudes from 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 Denver. The fuck you know? <laughs> the, the the rhino is the most urban shit you know. I've been to Denver. Like I, I know I know I know your little gentrified downtown Denver, <laughs> your little rhino area. I've been. And that's yeah, so that's, that's a hot valley. That's a good restaurant. <laughs> but yeah, like just people just have a real passion for speaking on things they don't know about. I think that's what it comes down to because also like with me being from the place I'm from and these unwritten rules that exist in these places, just the idea of outwardly being scared of a guy's brothers, just out in public proudly and then trying to convince other people to be scared. That's such a foreign concept to me. I just can't even like, even if you are scared for whatever reason, they haven't proven anything. You don't just run around telling people you're scared of people. And so I'm just, I've been lost all day. You can't do that and then start saying what a fake tough guy Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam are. Yeah, like, if we've seen Jimmy Butler do anything in his career, it's try to fight. <laughs> Since, like, like literally, <laughs> somebody had a compilation. Right. Like and a bigger whole dudes, car. right? It's like Nene. It's like bigger dudes than him. And so it's him. It's UD especially, like I said, like, you don't even have to know any real stories or details. You just know, like, him being from where he's from and having that respect earned, it's earned. We don't have to get into why. We don't have to get into how. Just understand it happens. He, like, him be, again, him being able to stop things from happening, dolphins get robbed all the time. I, I'm glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> and so, like... You and Jimmy Butler being fake tough out of all people in the NBA. Come on. There's no one. So, so what Kenny's alluding to there is uh, a long, a while ago during the big three years, someone went to rob a house, right? Uh, and UD obviously lives in a nice house. Someone, someone was doing a, 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 a break in. And when they realized it was UD's house, cause you know, they saw the pictures and shit in the house, they left. <laughs> they don't want to fuck with that. You know what I mean? Like these armed people robbing this house are like, nope, never mind. Yep. There was a story that UD shared on a podcast a few years ago where he talked about a story how Dwayne Wade, maybe during his like first two or three years in the league, he had a car jacked and apparently in his car, he had like a special like chain that he had. Uh, it was like super expensive. So he wanted that jewelry back. And apparently they were able to track the card and, and apparently they were able to fact probably the jewelry from, from whatever pawn shop that ended up being sold to. Um, and because of that, UD went up to D Wade and it was like, listen, I found your chain. Do you want me to go get it for you? And D Wade's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go get it. I want to go get it. And then UD responds, but you do realize that if I go get this chain, however I get it is how I'm going to get it. And then D was like, no, no, no. I don't want that chain that bad anymore. <laughs> and Dwayne, by the way, Kenny, like, you know, Dwayne's talked about the life where Dwayne grew up. Right. Like Dwayne has mentioned, yeah. you know, I, I would walk by dead bodies on the way to school. Like this is, you know, like I said, people want to talk about. And, and again, like we're not out here to legislate, you know, who has the worst ghettos. Right. Or, or, right. or these, you know, uh, areas that are that are, that are hit really hard. It, it's just like it's just ridiculous to call these these people not tough or like, oh, well, they didn't grow up in war torn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and they did. I know for sure it's like UD being from Liberty City in the nineties. I grew up in the two thousands. That's that's a war torn ass place. And literally, so like, the police militarization in Miami in those areas in the nineties specifically, coming off the war on drugs. I mean, you can go look it up. It's there. Yeah, like I don't understand this thing. Oh well, they're from Serbia, so they're automatically tough, and they might be tough. But like, is that the best you can do? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's ridiculous. So come on. And like I'm Kenny, and like the other thing is, is that I'm mad about is like people and, and some some people have brought it up in chat and our chat's angry and people are bringing it up. Our and chat is is on fire. Our chat our chat is fucking bringing it. They're keeping the fucking energy. The thing I want to talk about as well is Kenny. The way people are discussing this, you know, like right. general NBA people are like making fun of the Heat and making. By the way, we're the only ones who can make fun of the Heat. Okay, you guys fucking <laughs> stay in your lane. We're going to make fun of him later because that, that picture of Andy Ellisberg is funny. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, you know, like th- just just general NBA people, A, defending Jokic, right? Like defending Jokic and then like besmirching Morris, who, but whatever. Morris did what he did. Again, I'm not here to legislate these two dudes and what the, whatever they did. But like just general NBA Twitter, just defending Jokic and not the other. It's just, it's weird to me. And Kenny, it feels, you know, race motivated at times. A lot of white people, a lot of dog avies, a lot of Christian father first in the bio. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of that shit. And and white men violence is always celebrated in a way that like, and the tweet was going around the other day. If Embiid did what Jokic did, people would want Embiid in prison. That's just, that's just fact, dude. Like that shit. Do you remember when Hassan got covered for trying to suplex Alex Len? Yep. Feels a lot different than what Jokic did. And, and Jokic is arguably just as bad. I mean, he had to do it in the fucking spine. You know what I yeah, mean? So- and it's like, Kenny, this constant shit about how the media and people in the rest of the country look at our city. Right. Kenny, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up with like white Americans in my school. Right. Everybody oh, yeah. was Hispanic. Or or Jamaican or Haitian or Dominican, like I didn't grow up with white. I mean, we're Brian and I are white Hispanics, right? And obviously, like there are like you know, uh, not not to make this a a light skin opinions episode out, but I'm the I'm the whitest half Colombian member. Yeah, we didn't grow up with like white American people, right? And like we're our city is treated differently than other places, and I think this is just another way it manifests. And it reminded me of the Big Three Heat, and whenever this team is fucking good. A, people don't like to admit it, and B, they find any excuse to throw fucking rocks at us. Except for except except for Bobby Marks, JJ Redick, and Tim Legler. They all, all, all three of them. When the Heat win the championship, will get their own fucking championship float down bis. No, down Dwayne Wade Boulevard. My my bad. But yeah, Kenny, that that's kind of like my thoughts on that shit. Like the 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 the. the the glorification of, of these white men and their violence and how that's just framed against the Morris brothers I, and shit. I want to talk about that too. Because... Well, what happens? What happens this next game in, in three weeks? Hold on, I want to hear what Kenny says. I want to hear what Kenny. You're canceled. <laughs> and so, I saw the incident live. I it took me a few hours to watch the replay again on video. And so, I was wondering why that perspective was so skewed. And then I actually watched the clip. Um, and so what happened is we saw it because we watched the game. Bam was in the post against Jokic. He gave him a shoulder, which is a normal post move. Jokic didn't like it. He swiped down on Bam's face. Bam is on the ground. That's when Marquise comes over and bumps Jokic. What happened is these NBA media people, they edited the first part out. And so it looks like Marquise Morris is just being crazy and Jokic is defending himself. That's a great point. I didn't like that part of it. And then I started to think of the reason for that. And so at first I thought, well, okay, Jokic, he's a star player. He's the best center in the NBA. They want to protect him for that reason. But then I thought about a few years ago, who was the best center in the NBA? 2015-16. Dwight? DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. And so if DeMarcus Cousins threw his shoulder into somebody's back when they weren't looking – 
what would the coverage be like? Because if he pumped his fist too hard after a dunk, it was he needs to watch his temper. He's there's no place for that. He's a thug, quote unquote, this and that, whatever, whatever. Yeah, and he's so, a he's a cancer in the locker room, is what his rep was pretty much the entire right? time in Sacramento. Exactly. And so that's what made me realize exactly what this was about. Because if it was him in 2015 or was it it was Ron Artest in 2003, we just saw the Madison Palace documentary about how that was covered and how it was racially motivated and all that stuff. And then like a month later, you had people cropping out what Jokic was guilty of to make it seem like this white guy was defending himself and uh, he's just this cuddly guy watch Markeith Morris doing this to him. And it's like, okay, like it's it's flagrant at this point. It's flagrant. And I'm not even like the conspiracy theory guy, but it's just so obvious you can't ignore it. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The the way and like you know we get accused at Heapy a lot of times of making things about race right whether it be Alf or me or whatever and you know like I would I would tell the people saying that why don't you listen to the to the people saying it specifically the black men and women who do work with us right when they're saying it you know maybe if you're white maybe you should maybe shut the fuck up and listen right it's not it's not all about y'all you know what I mean so. And and it and it jumps out, and it's just the way that white players are covered and all that. And we don't have to overly get into that. I think we've said kind of enough, and I've certainly said my piece on, on Twitter. I know Kenny have as well. But it, it's it's just frustrating because it, it it just repeatedly happens. And you know, again, Miami was down a lot, so it looks bad. But Kenny brought up the great point of you know, people said that the Markeith thing wasn't a basketball play. I mean, it kind of was a basketball play. But to take foul in that situation yeah. with your with your center under the basket, you know, after he got hit in the face by Jokic, which it's Morris A protecting his guy and B taking a hard take foul and because you don't even that hard. And yeah, I mean, whatever. And and the game was over. So you could say there was no reason for you to do that. Right. And I'm not out here defending Markeith Morris. Everybody knows I don't really like Markeith Morris that much. Like this is not about that. It's just the escalation, the ridiculousness of all this, the way that it was covered. And just all of it. It's just all ridiculous. Um, it brings me to maybe my favorite part of the night, which is this picture of Andy <laughs> Ellisberg. Uh, I don't even know what my favorite part Jimmy, Jimmy looks like he wants to Jimmy looks like he wants to kill someone. I feel like they just made Kyle come. Like Kyle had to come out of like an obligation. You know what I mean? Like Kyle's like, man, if I don't show up, I'm new here. This is bad. Uh, Deadman in the back with the towel. He Deadman had had that towel over his head since like the third quarter. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Interesting about that picture too. I don't know if I'm going to pull it back up. Yeah. Put it back up. Put it back Somebody up. Somebody pointed this Keep out. I forgot who it was. I want to give credit. I forgot who it was. Like, because the story originally was that the Heat were being sought by Denver Nugget security. But yeah, that's a championship ring right there. That was right the, there. Let me see if I can find a <laughs> caption. That way that's Andy, baby. It. <laughs> no, that's so all like, clearly, like you can look at that and see it's not the Denver Nuggets. They've been in the league since '76, never won shit. It's probably why their fans are so passionate and mad now. But that's beside the point. Point is, people are just dumb in general. That you know, and the other thing, Kenny is. So Jimmy, you know, people are like, "Why didn't Jimmy? You know, why didn't Jimmy get into it? Why didn't Jimmy get into it when it happened?" Jimmy was doing his job and running back on defense. <laughs> Jimmy saw that Bam was down. I was like, shit, I got I to gotta go defend. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So and I feel like Jimmy didn't until Jimmy, you know, like he just sees this dude down. He's like, wait, what happened? Looks at the replay and it's like, oh, hell no. Nah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what I was thinking. And everyone's like, the, the one who made the business decision was Tyler. And a lot of people have been making, <laughs> I don't blame you, Tyler. That's what you want Tyler to do. No, yeah, yeah, Tyler, let's stay out of it. Like, the, you, no one's scared of you anyway. Like, you don't, you don't have to pretend you're tough. Just go do your, just go, go be in, in those songs with, with, those people and 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 wear your cool fashion and you know just just shoot and, and do the serial thing you don't have to fight <laughs> but i'm glad you brought jimmy up too because i saw people saying he was a fake tough guy because he pretended when Jokic was already sitting down so for one we saw jimmy's backwards turn he didn't see it and another thing which is why i'm glad you brought this up jimmy wasn't talking to Jokic. what happened is the players on the Denver nuggets bench yes. were like laughing and Giving Jokic pounds like a oh, good job, whatever the case is, that's when Jimmy got upset. It wasn't the foul; he didn't see the foul. And anybody in their right mind would get upset at that. Like, okay, you whatever our teammate hit you, you hit him back. It was a little much, but fine. But now you're over there celebrating, and like that's taking it way too far. That's what set Jimmy off. It wasn't the actual foul. But nobody's talking about that, Kenny. No one said shit. Right. Everyone's that just guy, calling Jimmy fake yeah. tough guy. They're calling the Morris brothers king of crazy. Oh, look, the Jokic brothers are so tough. And, you don't want any of that. And none of the media is showing the Denver Nuggets bench laughing and celebrating because the story has the to crowd be chanting or MVP. chanting MVP. Crowd yeah. chanting MVP because the story has to be the league MVP standing up for himself, the cuddly white guy defending himself against this quote unquote thug. He also hit and poor so, campaign in the face in the playoffs. Campaign, dog. Campaign, skinnier, skinnier than you, who had nothing to do with the play. By the way, yeah. Like I think he had just somebody just passed it to him, and he went. Jokic went and did all that, and that's when people saw Jokic's brothers yelling from the stands, along with twenty five thousand other people, and that's what made Jokic's brother so tough. Chat brings up a good point. A Nuggets coach put his hands on Jimmy too. That See? that happened. That happened. And apparently, because Jimmy pushed him back, because he kind of like got his his hands off of him, that was yeah. the reason why he got the technical. Oh, and that's the other thing. And Alf brought that up in Hangover Time. I mean, the fact that the, the fucking Morris who nearly got stretchered out also got ejected, a flagrant too. The fuck was that? Like, man, come on, come on. And you know, that, and we can use this as a transition point to the actual basketball that the Heat have played through ten games because there's a lot to get to there, but. You know, that game, and I don't do officiating stuff ever. If you've, you know, Kenny, you've been listening for a while. If you, Brian and I have been doing this for almost 10 years, you know that I rarely do the officiating show. Uh, they, the refs, I, I love the officiating show. Yeah, you, I know you love it. I don't because it's like, it's kind of a bullshit excuse. But when the game is so physical like that, and the refs let a lot of stuff go, especially under the basket with rebounding. You know, that's where a lot of the physicality happens. And part of the reason why that he got crushed on the boards, you know, was, was that a lot of, I, I think, you know, a lot of whistle swallowing. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of how the game gets out of hand and you get to that point. And then the heat were kind of crushed. I mean, they didn't play well either. I'm not saying that that's why they lost. It was just, it, it was just one of the reasons and all that. So um, hope, hope Keith is, hope Keith is feeling better. I hope he can play. I mean, he's obviously, been a, a bigger part of the rotation than I think any of us imagined, especially going into preseason. So shout it out. It sounds to- like he's fine, but they're still doing tests. Yeah. But last word that we found out was from Coach Spo after the post game um, during the post game presser. He basically said that he was he was moving fine in the locker room. So that's good in terms of and, him. And- like with with his back injury, I don't think is anything severe to the point where he's going to be missing uh, the rest of the season. I think he might miss a couple games. I'd probably be smart to sit him out these next two games, this back-to-back stretch against um, against the LA teams. But uh, Tiana says he's out. I don't think that's been confirmed. Unless um, I'll, I can yeah. look it up. Chad, Chad's saying Morris is out for tomorrow. So yeah, we, we, have to, I, I, we have to do what we have what, what naturally we have to do to confirm news. Okay. What yeah. Ira? Apparently he is out for tomorrow. I'm looking at a Barry Jackson article we just posted. So yes, he is out tomorrow because of whiplash. Apparently. <laughs> Could have been a lot worse. I'll show you whiplash. This transition, <laughs> we're gonna get into the Heat's offense now, from race to offense. Um, I don't know. So, th- Kenny, Brian, 
the Heat have been kind of weird on offense this season. They're not shooting the ball really well. Duncan's obviously struggling. Um, their half court offense was really good five games in. Uh, or we're down to like 17th in half court offense, right? Which is gonna be, I think to me, one of the biggest indicators on on how this team's gonna look. Taking <laughs> Lifer says, hey, a whiplash fucks you up. I'm sorry, that was funny. You know, there were so many funny comments while we were having serious conversations. Shmeed and Solnik said something about my the 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 V in my shirt about to pop out. It, it was it was I had to like not laugh because I was dying. You y'all heard something else. Speaking of fighting, that collar on G shirt is fighting for his life right now. <laughs> Bro, can someone give Brian a picture frame or something as a decor of an abandoned building? Yeah, we got to give Brian some stuff. Wait, I got a lot of um, stuff to hang, but Brian just I'm moved. a little too scared to put any nails in my wall right now until I actually like plan out what I want to put yeah, up. Leave so. Brian alone. Brian just moved into the new house. I do need I need to invest in some command hooks is what I need to do. So, so here are 17th and half court offense. Uh, you know, I think that's about what I think any of us could expect, especially if their shooting is not going to be good. Sixth in transition offense. Uh, so that's obviously yeah, really good. Uh, and the Heat are just third in offensive rating in general. Yeehaw, good for them, right? So they've they've somehow managed to have a good offense. Uh, their offense is actually better than their defense. Their defense is sixth now. Their offense is third. So they're they're doing a really good job on that end. Kenny, that's been kind of the weird thing. And I, I guess I want to – we can start branching out to other things first. But, like, the fact that the half court that, – that, that their transition offense has been so good and has fueled – I guess it's not a surprise considering what we've seen, but – do you think that's sustainable for them? Like, what what do we have here? It's going to have to be. And I think it is because their defense is so, like, incredible. Well, most nights, obviously. Last night, I don't know what happened. But they're going to have to score off of defensive plays. They're going to have to get deflections. They're going to have to get these things. And it's great to see that because last year they had nobody who can push on a fast break. Yeah. And so they're going to have to continue with that until – at least until Duncan gets his shot back, at least until – PJ's been fine. I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't know if he has been, but he seems like he's been fine. Yeah. But so once Duncan's able to shoot, they can kind of figure out the half court offense because he's such a big part of it. But for now, they should probably just continue to pick up the pace. And it's been working out. Obviously, you have Jimmy Butler able to play free safety like he's the best in the league at doing. So they're going to get the defense. He's going to get the steals. Just take advantage of it. So... For me, Brian, and I, you know, Siobhan and I got into it on the timeline as we do often, sometimes in private, sometimes on the time. Siobhan and I think of the game really differently, which makes it fun. But, you know, her and I were kind of talking about like just our concerns with the Heat. And, and for me, it's always been like, okay, I, I'm confident that they're going to have a top four defense. Like I, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. And I feel even better about that. Absolutely. You know, really One healthy. Better. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and, and when Depot comes back, I mean, they're just going to have even better. Um, but you know, their offense was going to be like, I'm concerned about their offense going into the season. My thing was, and I'm not, by the way, chat, I'm not concerned about their offense. Like I'm just, I'm just looking ahead. You know what I mean? Because again, like I said, they're, they're third in offense. You know what I mean? They're, they're playing good, right? Their defense is obviously incredible. They're playing good. They've had a really rough schedule, right? They've played a lot of the best teams in the league. And right now they're going on a really rough road trip and it's like five games in, in eight nights. So it's going to be tough. And that Lakers Clippers back to back is brutal. Clippers have been playing a lot better. Their defense is incredible. They switch yep. a ton, which is going to be kind of tough for Miami. So, you know, all, all that being said, you know, they're playing, the, they're playing really great. But Brian, I guess, you know, with the shooting, not so good with the, the pace, you know, when you don't have shooting, the way that you leverage space is you play fast, you get the ball out quick. So that you can play in even because the only that's how you artificially create space. If you're playing, if you're pounding the ball in half court, you know, guys can help off non-shooters, all that. When you play in transition, you know, all of a sudden that help is not existent. So you let your best players, you know, play in the open court. By the way, Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry both shooting career best from at the rim this season. Kyle at 75% has not been over 60 in forever. And Jimmy at 67%. So these dudes are just getting to the bat when they get to the basket they're being hyper efficient um I, they just don't get to the rim too much but i mean i think brian their their pace has to hold unless their shooting improves nfl football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find nfl tickets anymore because tick pick that's t i c k 
P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one that you'll need for your go-to NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that all those other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best price on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. And you know I've already used TickPick. We have the Atlanta Hawks coming into Miami to play the Dolphins. I have a friend of mine coming into town. And you know we have to have our chance to win an Atlanta Sports Moment Meltdown live. So we got on TickPick. We got our stuff. We're ready to go. I'm excited. Now just visit TickPick.com slash HeatBeat today and use the promo code HeatBeat to save $10 off your first order on NFL tickets. So I guess, are you, are you more concerned about the three-point shooting in general, or are you just talking more about, like, outside the paint area? Because yeah. I feel like Bam has tried to take more mid-range jumpers lately. I, Tyler has, Bam I guess, been two of his last three games, he's he's had two of his worst games so far this season, and I felt like a lot of that has been, a lot of these teams have been starting to double him. So he's not been, he's not been able to get to the same spots, like in the Utah game, where they were pretty much playing drop the entire time. He was able to... You know, he was basically able to tear them up, especially in that fourth quarter run where they almost gave up the lead. But I mean, if if you want to take a look, it, it feels like the Heat when they're when they're winning games, they're blowing teams out, and when they're losing games, they're they're also getting blown out. So it's kind of hard to figure out which one of those two teams Miami really is. Is are they somewhere down the middle? Because it's hard to like evaluate this team. Like, sure, it's ten games, they're seven and three, but at the same point, like. From what we've seen, they look dominant against a lot of these good teams. I mean, they beat Utah, who I think is probably going to be, if not the Western Conference uh, champion, uh, they'll probably be at least in the, in the finals for, them for and the Western Warriors Conference. Have been really good. Yeah, them and the Warriors have pretty much been the top two teams in that conference. And for the most part, that game, they, they played excellent up until that last five, four-minute stretch. Um, I mean... They've they've had great games. It's just to, the, these last couple games, really the Celtics game and this game have been the two games that you look at because obviously the first game they lost was was without Lauer. Like you look at these two games and what were the two things that happened to the Heat that made them lose this game? It really was one Boston being able to switch so much around the perimeter. It, it kind of confused Miami on offense and it really took them out of rhythm throughout the entire game. They didn't. They weren't able to make anything. They only had 33 points in like the first half. Crazy. Um, and I felt like in this past game, they started to turn over the ball way too much. They were probably overpassing more than they should have. Jimmy they was only had kind of reverting turnovers. back to a lot of the stuff that he was doing last season where he was pretty much taking every single shot just to keep the offense afloat. Obviously, when, when that happens and what, pretty much what we saw a lot of last year, they don't win many of those games. They were pretty much a 500 team when Jimmy was you know, trying to be a hero. So um, they only had 13 turnovers yesterday. So I don't think that was too much of an issue. But it's, it started off like that. It was the rebounding to me. I mean, the, the wait, rebounding, wait. absolutely. But that, like, that, that also leads to the point where like, yeah, you miss your shots and you're going to miss those rebounds too. And then also lets Denver get out onto the, on the break. And you can't get out on the break if you're not offense, if you're not defensive. And the Heat, by the way, they're the fourth or the fifth best offensive rebounding team in the league this season. When yep. that was their their fourth best offensive rebounding team, and they were 29th last season. So they turned their biggest weakness into one of their best strengths. Now, one thing I will say about last night's game that caught that pretty much concerned me the most out of anything was it was kind of like the first real test that they've had, maybe since the indie game, where they played against a pretty good front court. Like Jokic is great. He's he's obviously MVP talent. He's pretty much one of the best centers in this league. So I was very, very interested to see how they would, you know, match up against Jokic with their front court. Cause in a way their front court is pretty small, even though I'd love PJ and I love Bam um, as a tandem currently right now. Um, so it, to me, they kind of failed the test. I felt like Bam really did get outplayed for most of that game. He didn't really stand his own. Um, and honestly kind of showed him in the rebounding battle, even though obviously like we've, we've been talking about the officiating and how pretty bad it was. You kind of wanted to see more out of Bam that game to kind of just even that, that matchup, like he didn't really 
show that he was an all-star. It, it pretty much was a difference between an MVP player playing at a superstar level and then an all-star who has a bad night. So, so their their defense, I think, like yesterday was a failure of their defense more than anything. The the rebounding and everything, like I, I, that's I think as bad as they've looked. And we can get into what you the point you made about the 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 Celtics switching because I do think there's something to be said there. I mean, bam, ten and ten, three of ten from the field. Like you said, just not not really good enough for him. And he is battling the knee thing too. And I think that when he's looked this, you know what I mean. So th- that's something to be said. The the switching. So they well they they did a lot of front and recover, Kenny, which is kind of been the Eric Spolstra MO since he got here, right? When they play bigger teams, I mean, unless even when Hassan has been here, frankly, it's been front, help, recover, rotate. And that's how they played. And last season, it was incredible. I don't really think that works against Jokic because he's such a good passer. I think when you play a guy like Embiid, yeah, right. Like you can get away with it against Embiid. Jokic, it gets harder because he'll kill you. And the fronting, you know, if he just gets behind your defense, you're cooked. Yeah. Yeah. And so the thing about it, I'm not. So if you've seen me on high, you know, I'm, I genuinely, even if I weren't a Heat fan, I, they would be my pick to win the championship. I've been vocal about that. But the only team that really concerns me is Denver. And that's because as great as Heat's defense is against a guy like Jokic with that kind of vision and that kind of skill, if you do block the passing lane off, if you make any tiny defensive mistake, he'll make you pay for it with his passing. If you or like scoring, said, you, or scoring, so he concerns me, and so I'm not really using last night's game as a measuring stick because he's just a different level of talent. So if they run into Denver in the finals, I'll be concerned. But there's not much to take away from this because as much as I don't want to give him credit right now for obvious reasons, he's just such an incredible player. You just can't really. And we're it's only different. 10 games in, so, yeah. you know, all these numbers and everything that we're talking about is going to fluctuate, but I, I think yeah. you make a, I, I think what the point you made is good, and they're not equipped to do that. And part of that is size, you right. know what I mean? I mean, but even when Deadman is is matched up against against Jokic, you know, there's there's not much you it's, can do. You have so, to be so perfect against him. Yeah, and, and even if they're injured, they have a lot of motion, and I think that these teams that have a ton of motion – it's going to it's going to be hard against Miami who, you know, they don't really have the best athletes, right? Yeah. And and you know, they're they're a little thin with injury right now and they're just thin in general. I think Oladipo helps you. He becomes one of your probably the most athletic guy on your team other than Bam. Uh when, when you can you can add that element of of him on your defense that's going to help you a ton, but you know, when they do a lot of their motion handoffs, back screening, cutting, a lot of those hammer screens uh right. while Jokic is on the block on the other side, it gets it gets tough for PJ to constantly chase these dudes around, be switching on the perimeter. I, I do want to get into what Brian said about the Celtic game, because you know we're at the ten we're at the ten game mark. They're seven and three. They're really good. All their metrics are amazing. They're you know by all accounts one of the three best teams in the league with Utah and the Warriors. That Celtic game was alarming for a different reason than the Denver game was, and I think we kind of went over what we feel about the Denver game. Brian in that Celtic game. You know, this kind of goes back to Miami's weaknesses last season where over-switching kind of killed them. And really the way that you attack that is you you mismatch hunt. And they still don't have a dude who can pick on a mismatch. Bam, I don't know if he's there yet. Sometimes he shows it, sometimes he doesn't. Shooting 37% from mid-range this season, not necessarily good enough. His true shooting has gone down. Bam has looked really good. Um, a lot of his offensive numbers have gone down. I think part of that is he's less of a roller this season. And I've t- I think ultimately this is going to be a net positive for him because he's going to be able to diversify his scoring. And when when the rubber hits the road, you know, they can put him in spread pick and roll and, it, and everything will be fine. Um, but when teams over switch, your, when teams switch what you, your actions and you can't create space and you're not getting guys in a drop or whatever – now you're really depending on on Tyler, who can't create separation against a lot of people as good as he's played. You, you know, a guy like Jimmy, who I, I think Jimmy's mismatch hunting since the bubble has really disappeared. That's one of the things that I think made them strong in the bubble, where he would find a matchup that he liked and attack that dude. I just don't think that he has that so much anymore. I think in the playoffs last season, you kind of saw a little bit of that. And I think in this season, in that Pacer game, you saw some of that. I just don't. 
think that he's going to be that kind of guy anymore, you know, going forward. And that's fine. But, you know, they're going to have to do something about solving these switches. And and like I said, they have the Clippers coming up on Thursday, the Lakers drop. Uh, so, you know, I think they will be more in their comfort zone. But when against the Clippers, who have a good defense this year and who switch everything, that's where I think is going to be. It could get ugly. And so going into like the Celtic game, there is an alternative to the um, mismatch hunting. It's a little more complicated, but in the second half of that Celtic game, they started to go to Bam on the pick and roll a little bit. And it's also a good way to beat a switch is to slip on the pick and roll. Shout out to Nikias. Yep. And so, <laughs> but, and that was working. And then they just stopped going to it for some reason. And the well, thing Kenny. you have to remember about Bam is he came into the league as a roller. And so, that's probably what he's the most comfortable with, even though he has improved and he is a great playmaker now. He's able to create for himself when he feels like it. But I like to see them go back to that a little more against teams that switch off often and just see how it works. It was working against the Celtics and they stopped. So I want to see how I want to see them try to go to that a little more. So last season, Bam was one of the best pick and roll bigs in the league. 1.03 points per possession, about 20% of his plays. Whereas a role man in pick and roll, I mean, if you're getting over a point per possession on, on that, you're doing really good, right? And and and, and that's this season. Uh, Jimmy, by the way, uh, Jimmy is literally the one of the most destructive role men in the league. He's second after Miles Turner right now. Just right now already, uh, one point six points per possession as Oof. a role man in pick and roll. Last year he was almost at two points per possession. I mean, and and they're using him a lot more as a role man with Kyle, which is just part of that has been the evolution of his game. Jimmy as a role man, he's just so smart and he just rolls with such a force. But you you look at a guy like Bam, who that's kind of his best skill. Bam's best skill is being a roller. That rolling and passing, I I think are are really what he's elite at. So last season he was 1.32 points per possession. Um, you know, really good. So I want to see a little bit more of of him as a roller. I think to the point that you made, uh, you know, when they played the Celtics in the bubble, you know, that playoff series really turned when they went to Bam in the role. By the way, he was in the 85th percentile last season. Just legit one of the best at that in the league. Uh, And when the Celtics, who are a little smaller in the back line, the Clippers as well, I think that the way, you know, the the way, like you said, you kind of slip those, attack that, run it a little quicker, which I think Kyle is, is good at. So I'm going to be interested to see how they, they kind of approach that, especially, but he might not even play because of the knee. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell. And, and to your point also about Bam's passing, that's something he improved on in the league as time went on, as at the same time, they stopped going to him less on the pick and roll. And so now when they do that, when he does slip and it creates the two on one it's supposed to create, now you have Bam as a lead passer, and you have PJ in the corner now instead of yeah. Iguodala. They didn't and so use that's Bam another way. Yeah. Less. So that's another way you can exploit it. It's just a matter of how much they want to go to it. Go ahead. B. I'm still, I'm still kind of like there's, there's still parts of Bam's game we haven't seen that much this season. Um, I think part of the stuff that we saw in the Olympics that I kind of want Spo to kind of explore a bit more is using Bam more as a short roller passer. We haven't really seen a lot of that this season. And I feel like that's a part of his game. Like he hasn't had many assist numbers, but that's an easy way to get him involved in both the short roll and also playmaking at the same time, rather than just doing dribble handoffs. I think the short roll just comes with how they're defending it. Like if that help rotates, he's ready. Like, so if they're running pick and roll and if, you know, PJ's man in the corner is pre-rotating to help, right. That's that then bam, but they're just not doing it. They're, they're either, they're either kind of doing a short a short stunt or they're sticking with the man in the corner. Miami also kind of they're doing a lot of empty side stuff, which yeah. to me is like probably their their best stuff even this year and last year, where they're screening with an empty side. So that help can't come. They're just like literally forcing that help out. And if the help does come, it's like directly in Bam's eyesight. So they're just not going to give up the open three. So they're just going to try to contest with, with the dudes that yeah. they have there and the, already in the ba- under the basket. I guess in a way, I just want to try to figure out a different way than just putting him in a horn set. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, they, they run some of their old stuff from last season when it's just Jimmy and Bam and no Kyle. Um, I do think that they're making a concerted effort to getting him the ball in the mid post. And I do think that he finds Jimmy and he finds cutters. They they move a lot on offense. I just think that guys stay home on shooters, and 
you know, for as for as rough as Duncan has been as a shooter, and I've covered this in those little videos that I tweet, you know, he's still defended as an elite shooter. So, you know, when he cuts, that man doesn't help off of him, right? They stay with him. So Duncan is kind of, you know, like how a quarterback is motioning the receivers and they're like, they're like kind of shifting. Duncan's doing a lot of that for them, even if he's not shooting well, because nobody wants to give him, nobody wants it to be the night that he wakes up on them. And he kind of woke up a little bit yesterday, but so I think the way that their defend is a little different. And I, I just think Bam, they're, Bam is kind of being put into more of a, you know, score or die situation. <laughs> Like that, that's situation. kind of what it is. So the assist numbers may be down, but that to me doesn't like indicate, you know, like because when he needs to play make, he will, right? When when that when he starts becoming a more like reliable scorer for Miami, people will start helping quicker. And and if PJ's not shooting the ball as well, you know, they'll they'll be cheating like they did against Andre, and then Bam will have that pass or that one-two swing, right? So not too worried about it, but you know, certainly something to keep an eye on. Um, wanted to get to a couple things before we close out the show. So we talked a little bit about Duncan now. Kenny, something I've been monitoring are the Duncan Tyler lineups because they've historically not been good. Uh, mm-hmm. This season, they started off good, and now look at that. We're fine. The Heat don't have a lot of negative two-man units that have high minutes. Uh, Duncan Tyler is one of them, minus four per 100 possessions, 116 defensive rating, 112 offensive rating. Just really not good on either end. That They play a lot. They're at 127 minutes together. Uh, that's almost as many minutes as Duncan has played without Tyler. That doesn't seem to work. And I know that they've tried it with different things, whether it's with Jimmy, whether it's with Markeith and Dedman, whether it's with Bam and Kyle. I just really think that, that has, they either have to figure that out or they just can't go to that anymore, unless Duncan's going to remember how to like shoot at an elite level. Just looking at Duncan's number the last four games, by the way, he's, he's shooting eight attempts a game. He's shooting 38% pretty much. Yeah, so he's, he's climbing back, to, back, up, back up to who he is. So he'll get there. Oh, I'm not worried about him. Like good shooters are made. Like good shooters will figure it out. And so, as far as him and Tyler together, it's just a little weird to have to get used to it because Tyler is a capable playmaker, but Duncan he needs somebody who's gonna find him because obviously he's not a guy you want creating for himself. And Tyler is the exact guy you want creating for himself. And so Tyler's job is to come into the game, get shots up. I don't care about your percentage. If you don't shoot, that's when you come out. And so it's a little weird for Duncan who needs people to set him up. So I understand that lineup not being too great. They're going to have to just figure it out. His last five games, he's shooting 40.5% on 8.4 attempts. Duncan? Yes. He's shooting 34 on the season. And he'll be back. I'm yeah. not I'm not worried about it. By the way, speaking of your Tyler point, Tyler shooting. I'm more concerned about Kyle Lowry, man. What, what was that last game? Like, we haven't even talked about how bad that was. Why are we going to talk about Kyle? We're talking <laughs> about other people now. So, you know, if we get if we look at Tyler, he's only shooting 48% of the rim, which has kind of been the – I mean, he shot 62% last year, which is really, really good. That might be a career high for him. I don't know if he'll ever get to that. He's just not big enough, doesn't have the length, doesn't create separation. That's why he doesn't get to the free throw line, where he makes his damage, obviously, from three and the mid-range, shooting 40% from three, 51% from mid-range. And another number that I'm going to monitor all season is what he looks on the pull-up, right? Because last season, before really the, the team exploded with, with COVID, uh, that was just, that was basically his his new his new tool, that little pull-up mid-range yeah, jumper. I do, yeah. Yeah, people want me to talk about Kyle. We're not going to do that. So, <laughs> can we talk about? Is there something? Is there a way for you to look up? Because I'm really curious. Because we have barely seen it a lot this season. Even though the last two seasons, the Heat's offense was pretty much dribble handoff. What What is Duncan's dribble handoff numbers looking like for the season? Like, so is his point per possession even close to the like James Harden level that he was the last two seasons? <laughs> that was a synergy number that we can't pull up like individual. Okay. Players on DHOs. Um, well, maybe we can. Let me see. Well, I think we can. In the oh, meantime, Kenny, okay, let's, let's talk about how bad. Kenny, talk about how bad Lowry is. So Tyler, <laughs> by the way, Tyler, by the way, is at one point two points per possession on the handoff. So if we want, if we want Tyler, yeah, these are provided by Synergy. So if we want the Tyler things, I will say that Miami has taken a lot fewer handoff possessions than than last year. 
um, which is a result of Kyle in a little bit more steady pick and roll. So Duncan this season is at one point per possession. That is the 62nd percentile. That's Kyle Tyler is at the 90, 94th percentile in handoffs. Why can't that, we have both of them in the 90th percent? Imagine if both of them were like that. Plus, isn't Kyle like one of the best too? We haven't even seen Kyle shoot that many dribble handoffs either. They don't season. have him. And that well, last year, by the way, Duncan was 1.37 points per possession, 97th percentile. So Duncan was literally... Uh, I'm sorry. No, Duncan was 1.06 72nd percentile on on handoffs last season, but uh, they don't they don't run Kyle off as many handoffs as Toronto did, uh, which has been surprising. Uh, and I I guess because when they triggered the set, they used Duncan flying off, not Kyle, and uh, they usually have Kyle screen in those sets and then get the ball well, back. There's another reason why they don't do it as much. It takes fucking forever to get a fucking dribble handoff like set going like by the time they get even just one pass through that set like it's pretty much 10 15 seconds off the shot clock so that's so, part of the reason like that's why the pace is a little bit faster now because they're not doing as many so last season obviously the heat uh were the dribble handoff masters this season they're one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve they're 13th in handoff yeah. frequency uh, as opposed to last season where they were first. <laughs> so, you know, fewer handoffs, more more pick and rolls, more isolations, more kind of different different things. In Which the is offense. good. There's, there's yeah. a good. It's good to have a diet in the offense that's like spread out with so many different types of creations that they could go to. But at the same time, that was a really good set that they could go to at least during certain points of the game. I'm not saying they need to run this shit 90% of the time in the game but maybe run it at like three or four more times during yeah, they, the course of the game. They have to find a balance because a big reason for it, why it was so frequent in the past couple of years, because obviously didn't have anybody who can run a pick and roll really. Or dribble if, for that matter, Kenny. If, 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 Fucking if just Kendrick, get into the paint. If Kendrick ran a pick and roll, he was shooting that pull up 100% of the time. And so now you have Cal who's obviously better at making decisions. So that dribble handoff number is going to go down. But they, like Brian said, they shouldn't go completely away from it. So they can figure that out. Get Kyle involved in him. He was a really good dribble handoff shooter last season in Toronto. I'm not sure how much he played in Toronto last season, but so they'll figure it out. We also know Spo is a mad scientist, so they're probably drilling that to death in practice and they're just saving it for a certain team or a certain situation. Yeah, I, I could see that happening, especially against a switching team like that. That could help against a switching team. Miami still doesn't get to the rim with the frequency that they should, right? And I, I think Oladipo is going to help them a little bit with that. Um, but, you know, they, they do run handoffs with Duncan. So in the beginning of the season, they weren't really running any of it. And I don't know if you've noticed, guys, last season and the year before, they'd really opened the game with like a Duncan handoff set. Everybody. And that really stopped this season. And recently yeah. they've been doing it again to get him going. And as Brian said, you know, those numbers would indicate that that works. Get him. Get Last him. five games, he's shooting 40.5% nine attempts, pretty much. That, like, so that's who he is, right? And if you get my guy going early, I think that helps. I, the other thing with Duncan is, you know, he has to do more of like his relocation to the corner stuff. So, yeah, he hasn't done that a lot. They've done a little bit. So, what they'll do is, you know, PJ will set a hammer screen for Duncan. If you don't know what a hammer screen is, it's just kind of a screen on the on the weak side of the ball uh, where the shooter kind of comes out to sprints to the corner and then kind of the corner man screens for that shooter. So, you know, kind of the guy goes into space with the screen while the while the action is happening on the other side of the court. So a lot of times what they'll do is they'll, you know, Kyle and Bam will run a pick and roll and then they'll they'll set a hammer screen on the other side of the court, kind of get Duncan open. They've done a little bit more of that. So I, I like that they're kind of incorporating stuff like that. I know Siobhan pointed out the other day that they were running kind of some elevator stuff for Duncan. So it has been something that the coaching staff has gone out of his way, gone out of their way to to kind of help. But I don't think this team is going to be like a high efficiency, like they're not going to get to the rim a ton, you know, unless it's off offensive rebounds, right? They're just not going to pound the ball up top and burrow into the rim. They're not getting, they're getting free throws, which is good. I know that their number has dipped a little bit. Uh, so like some stuff is trending weird. They're treading water. I really think when we check back in, in another 10 games, we're going to have a lot more clarity on like what their stuff is. Also their schedule has been weird, right? They've played a really hard schedule and a lot of different defenses. So, 
Uh, that's a, ah, so I mean, I don't if know. we're looking at the next 10 games, pretty much let's, 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 cause it does get a lot, it's pretty much easier after this, this weekend, pretty much. There'll be heat are top 10 in free throw attempts, by the way, which is just incredible. Considering it's mostly because of Jimmy, Jimmy's second in the league yeah. right now, pretty much. So they're they're third, be. by the way, in free throw attempts for a hundred possessions. So when you adjust for pace, Miami's yeah. Miami's third behind Houston and, and Utah. So Miami so has really corrected the turnover issue where they're they're kind of middle in the pack in turnover and they get to the free throw line a bunch and they're second in free throw shooting, which is good because last year they also kind of struggled with that a little bit. So they're they've they're offensive rebounding like to an elite level. They're getting a lot of free throws and they're not turning over the ball as much. And part of that is Kyle, and I know that uh Sean over at Five Reasons uh tweeted out that. You know, Kyle is like one of, what is he, like 20% turnover or something like that. Um, but that's that's early in the season because, you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're he's still kind of figuring stuff out with the new team and everything. So it's not totally fair uh, to him. But what were you saying, Brian? I'm just looking ahead to their schedule. So pretty much throughout this entire month, uh, they play obviously the back-to-back t- tomorrow against the Lakers and then against the Clippers. Then they go and play the Jazz um, away. Next game that they play is on Monday. They start playing the Thunder. That should be an easier game for them to play after this next three. Can they be play the Pelicans. Game, yeah, they play the Pelicans right after that. They're pretty much one of the worst teams in the yo, league. Yo, good, man. SGA is good. Yeah, Tyler Bowder. Um, <laughs> yeah, then they play the Wizards twice. And then after that, they play the Pistons. Like, come on. Like, at, this, at a point, like... Those those sample sizes are gonna pr- still pretty much look good, I think. Like I think they'll still be a top four or five offensive rating team. The defense should go back down. I, I'm a little surprised that they've given up so much these last two games, but obviously, like you can't hold a 98 defensive rating forever. That's that's unrealistic. But I do imagine that their defensive rating will also go back down. I mean, so, their 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 defense is. Th- their defense is still good, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I mean, it went up a lot because of these last two games. I mean, they're only they're only points. six, and they're like point five away from being fourth. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, Golden State has the best defense. I, I I think it'll I think it'll even out. I'm not I'm not too concerned. And again, like some of these have been that Celtic game kind of threw everything into whack, right? And again, we're only ten games in, so like a couple couple small samples really. Well, they held of- the Celtics under hundred. Did uh, they? That, yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. They held the Celtics under 100. It was so yeah, drunk. It was the Jazz game, and then this past game against the Nuggets, where they gave up like over 110 points. As you, I don't know if anybody noticed, but I was pretty much off heapied all last week. I came on. I was pretty fucked up when I had that rant. I've been on a bender all week. Yesterday was the first sober day I've had in a week. Woof. <laughs> Taking so, hangover time to like way too literally. Actually, all right. Let, what do you think, Kenny? So I actually do want to go back to two points really quick. Let's go. And so as far as the offense, that's going to go back up because obviously, like we said, Duncan, he's not the main guy that goes, so he's still so important to the offense. And the thing that let me know they're really making sure he gets back involved is, if you remember at the end of that Celtics game, they had him in with the third unit. At the end of it, just to kind of let him get his shots up, let him run a couple things, get a little comfortable in the game that was already decided. So I feel good about his comfort level and getting his shot back. We've, we've seen since then he's kind of climbing back up. And another thing is the offensive rebounding. We talk about Bam being able to rebound on defense because not, he's not a three-point line anymore switching. But we don't really discuss how he's not over there on offense either because he's running the dribble handoffs. And then Duncan's firing a shot off. He's yeah. not in position. And so that's going to continue, I think, as long as they keep – running the offense they're running sort of that's going to continue and Duncan's going to find his shot obviously they're making the effort for him to find his shot and so these numbers that drop they're going to go back up Deadman is also a huge reason why their offensive rebounding a lot better by the way Dwayne Deadman the mechanic Mr. Deadman still net rating king plus we didn't even get to talk about that like I mean we talked about a little bit on hangover time but we haven't talked about it as an MHB pod how cool is that to see Tyler post that on his that was great team? well the broad the, the the Twitter account did that um the I I I feel that the broadcast is next Eric Reed I know I know Eric Reed has to be a big fan of this of course Eric you gotta you gotta slip in a mechanic in there Dwayne Deadman likes it Tyler's into merch. it 
They yeah. said just is better on air, so this they is going to be Kenny, do you know how proud we were of that moment? I remember. I remember. I've been following this for a long time. I love you, man. He, that shit, that, he, shit, that was good. I love when he tw- I love when he players get involved with our little stupid bits. Uh, you know, Joss was it like so- like Solomon Hill in the anime. That was fucking fun. You know, Justice, you know, hearing the Justice Better song, uh, Brass played it for Justice in the locker room. Justice would literally laugh at a line and like tap Jay Ritz next to him. It was like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? I, I, I don't know. The players on this team have always been really fun and great to us. So we love that. Um, I guess we got to talk about, I guess Kyle didn't have the, the I'm not even going to say didn't have the best game, but maybe Kyle didn't meet expectations. I don't Who wants to talk about that? It's not going to happen. Oh, would you look at the time? Show's over. (laughs) Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.